It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay, Millie's Welcome back, this is the Locked On Celtics Podcast I want to thank you for making this part of your regular routine Hey, two days in a row in July Not bad for us we're the Rain and Jays, John Corrales here from MassLive.com Joined by The Kid from The Athletic Today's show, it's all about over-unders. We're going to look at some of last year's stats, and we're going to spend the entire half hour or so just thinking who's going to do better, who's going to do worse, whatever. You know how over-unders work. So we'll do that. Uh, let's just dive into it, Jay. Unless you have opening comments, Jay. Any opening statements for the people? I just want the people to realize <laughs> that we are heroes for as soon as you said people to realize i'm like oh god where is this going <laughs> we are heroes for coming up with topics to discuss in late july when there's nothing going on and we really don't know what the team will look like there are no compelling issues <laughs> to address but here we are over unders for the listener gods that's it so Let's dive into it. This is how it's going to work. So let's start with like Jason Tatum. So the over-under on Jason Tatum, let's start with points per game. So last year, he averaged 15.7. He's averaged 14.8 over his career or two-year career. Uh, He will have theoretically more opportunity. So I'm going to set his over-under at 17.5 points per game over or under Jay Jason Tatum averaging 17.5 points per game. I've got the over on that one. Ooh, I'm thinking he'll average about 19. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So I think, I think he'll get to the free throw line a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think he'll cut out some of the dumb shit. And <laughs> become a little more efficient than he was last year. Okay. So then in that case, since you think he'll get to the free throw line a little bit more, let's do an over-under on Jason Tatum free throws per game this season. He's basically taken 3.2 and 2.9. So he's right about three. So I'm going to say over-under free throws attempt, attempted per game for Jason Tatum is four. What do you think? Right around four. Right around four. We'll go push. Push. Oh, come on. No, over, under. It's not over, under, push. That's the whole point of over, under. <laughs> Fine. Over. Over. Over, but, but barely, barely over. Barely over. Um, okay. I agree. Now, first of all, let me answer the question. Like, 
I think over 17.5, but the reason I said 17.5 is I think there's going to be a lot of points to go around. So between him, Kemba, Jalen, Hayward, uh, you're going to need uh, Ennis Cantor to score. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of points going around. Marcus Smart, there, there'll be – so I know he'll get more opportunity. I agree with that. 17.5 is – I'll, I'll go over – but I'm not 100% sure on that, which is why I said it there. Uh, I, I do like the idea of him getting to the line four times a game. I, I, I'm going to optimistically say over, but I think, I think right about four is, is right about right. So now let's go to his three oh, points. Yeah, go ahead. So I've got one question that I've been thinking about, and it's something I, I was – thinking about during a, a piece I've been writing for the athletic shout, shout to the athletic plug a fine um, publication. But one of the, one of the things that kind of I've, I've been trying to plot out the rotation, the Celtics will have or could have. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have kind of debated internally is whether Jason Tatum should play most of his minutes alongside Kemba Walker or, have a chance to have the offense run through him. And the, the reason I've debated is because one Tatum has done a lot of his best work, his most efficient work as a secondary piece. But two, he also showed in the playoffs a couple of years ago. And obviously with some of his potential that like, there's more to him. And I don't know whether he needs to have pick and rolls run through him or be used in different ways, but like there's a primary playmaker in there somewhere. And I think he deserves a chance to have at least some stints where the offenses run through him rather than Kemba or Gordon Hayward or Marcus Smart or somebody else. So I'm intrigued to see how Brad Stevens kind of handles that this year. And I think there's a chance Tatum comes in and is just really, really damn good from day one and kind of, states his case to get a lot of those touches and have the offense run through him. But there's also the other side of that where maybe he's less efficient again, like he was last season and continues to take bad shots and you're better off running the offense through other ways. So I just think that's one of the questions that kind of needs to be answered about the Celtics season is sure who the offense will run through when Kemba's not on the court. Well, I, I, I definitely think that that's something that's going to be worked out uh, as the season goes on. You obviously have Marcus Smart as a point guard that you can lean on. You have Gordon Hayward who can run an offense. Uh, and you do have the emergence of Tatum who may be able to run an offense uh, th- at, at some point, you know, and, and maybe you have a, a scenario where it's Tatum and Hayward together and each takes turns kind of initiating the offense. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of things that are on the table that in the early parts of the year, as is Brad Stevens style in that October, November, December area, there, there are going to be some uh, experimenting with lineups. So I, I think it's, it's worth exploring that. Maybe you sub Tatum out and maybe you start Hayward on the bench again and you, you sub Tatum out early and this way he comes in with second units and he gets to run some of the offense uh, and, and kind of explore that possibility. I think that's definitely worth, uh, worth looking at. And then he'll get, he'll get probably a good mixture 
And, and part of the Kemba Walker experience will be him, as he had said, like he doesn't have to do everything like he did in Charlotte. So there, there's going to be some feeling out. There's going to be some chemistry stuff, which going back to yesterday's podcast, it'll be great for them to discuss that while playing together on Team USA and kind of figure things out and, and really work. Maybe that's a good, good place to jumpstart some of this stuff and figure each other out where they like like to play, how he likes to get the ball, blah, 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 blah. So that's, uh, that's all worth uh, a discussion for sure. Back to the over-unders since we were talking about Jason Tatum. He, his three-point shooting dipped. So he has a rookie year of 43.4 and a second year of 37.3. So I'm going to set his over-under at 37.8%. Over under thirty seven point eight percent from three for Jason Tatum. I would say <laughs> right around there. <laughs> I, I think, I'm auditioning for a job as a Vegas bookie. This is good. I think the the biggest key for the Celtics though is how much three point versatility he has gained. Mm-hmm. Can he get those attempts up? Like he's going to shoot at least a pretty good percentage. I think we'll, sure, that, that's that's clear. He he had went through a long slump last year and still finished above thirty seven percent. He's going to make shots. I think the key is like, can he shoot more? Can he shoot off the dribble pretty well? Can he catch and shoot quicker? Get more attempts off? Can he come around screens and do it? That's that's the key to me. One key um, that will help determine their ceiling and ultimately his ceiling is, is whether he can become more comfortable. Like you see, obviously Paul George is on a different level, but Paul George took a leap last season. And part of that was because he became a lot more comfortable shooting the three pointer and shot more attempts than ever before and did so without sacrificing any of his efficiency with it. So long term, I, I, I think that's one of the keys. He'll be right around 38%. Yeah. I'm going to say his shots go up, but his percentage goes down just a tick. Or actually, Well, it's under. I'll, I'll say under, but like 37.5. It'll be, I think last year might be a little bit more right around where he ends up. I think the 43.4 is. Yeah, that was probably an aberration. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? But uh, I think right around that is is what we can expect. But I, I wouldn't be surprised that if this team is a little bit more um, up-tempo and he gets a few more uh, threes in transition and is encouraged to shoot more threes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if his attempts go up a little bit, but his percentage kind of hmm, maybe, maybe it goes up a little, but I don't think he, he gets above 38%. That's Jason Tatum. Let's go to Jalen Brown. And do a few over-unders before we take a break here. Uh, Jalen Brown, uh, I want to do free throw percentage, which is a, it's so weirdly low that he's at 65.8% for his career over three years, which is what he shot last year. Uh, it doesn't make sense for a guy that can hit threes and who can finish pretty effectively that he's such a bad free throw shooter. So I'm going to say over under, well, let's see if he figured this, figures this out over under, I'm going to pick a nice number here. 69%. Does he 
go over 69% or under 69% for this season? Under. Yeah. Just, he's I don't get it. That. He's always been, but like, he's got to be able to figure this out at some point, right? I don't know. Some guys just never do. <laughs> free free just throws are tough make for some any guys. Sense. It's got to be a, it's got to be all mental because he has a good stroke. He Obviously, does. three point shooting like he can shoot fadeaways. He almost never misses. <laughs> like man, he, he was mid range fadeaways. Those were money. Maybe he should just shoot mid range fadeaways. Wouldn't that be funny if he just got the Boom. ball like spun it, bounced, and just <laughs> faded away? I mean, shit. I think we might be onto something. That's it. That's going to be his new form. Uh, I'm going to optimistically say over, like only because his his shooting is good i feel like there's there's something there but it, he should be shooting at least i mean like 75 76 percent like i feel like he should be somewhere in that range i'm gonna say he shoots maybe he doesn't quite crack 70 but I, and just for weird celtics twitter i think they they need like Jalen brown shooting 69 percent from the line they i just, think stool greeny needs it man <laughs> um Let's go another over under for Jalen Brown shot attempts. So he's his average, his career average is 9.1, but that's you throw out the rookie year. He got 11 and a half two years ago, 10.7 last year. Uh, over under shot attempts for Jalen Brown. I, I want to say that he's going to get more, but I don't know how much more. I, I mean, Jason Tatum. over 12, 12. You want to set it at 12 over 12 and 12 and it's the over. Okay. I'll set. And I, say, I say that because I think they're going to use some lower usage guys. I think like Grant Williams and yeah. Shemi Ojale will could split Marcus Morris's minutes. And I just think like there are going to be guys on the court who are more role players like Daniel Tice will get some of Al Horford's minutes, maybe. And obviously, Horford was never a big usage guy, but you're not going to be running much of your offense through Tice. So I, I just think – I also think Jalen will probably play more minutes this year. Mm-hmm. Like, he averaged 26-ish a game last year. All right. I think he'll get at least a couple more. Over under so minutes. I'm, I'm going over on that one. Okay. Over 12? I agree with you. Over 12. I think he's going to. I think the perimeter guys are going to have a lot on their plate this year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like a whole lot on their plate. Let's go over under minutes with Jalen Brown. Two years ago was 30.7. Last year was 25.9. He should definitely get more. Over under 30.2 minutes per game. Under. Under. I think he's still the odd guy out of the starting rotation and maybe closing lineup interesting i think marcus smart might still be the starter obviously there's going to be some competition there and it'll all depend on what lineups brad stevens thinks obviously i think it's weird because the celtics like their five best players are all guards yeah if if you're considering gordon hayward and jason tatum guards which you might as well like they're perimeter-minded wings, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. They're they're basically five five best players are guards. Um, I think Jalen a lot of the times last year with some of the same guys plus Kyrie Irving was the odd guy out, and I wouldn't be shocked if that happens again. Okay, no, 
I, I think he gets I think he gets somewhere in the thirty minute range. I'll say over. Again, you, you know what I think could could really help him get more minutes if he does is if he can take a, a another step guarding the power forwards of the world. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good because, point. Because like if if he can if you can get away with playing him at stretch four, and maybe you can next to you know a high rebound guy like Cantor or Poirier who led the Euroleague in rebounds. Um, then that that opens up more minutes for him because obviously like I think Gordon Hayward's probably going to start at power forward and then there're definitely minutes to be had behind him at in that role so we'll see how that how everything goes but that defensive versatility the more he can do it the the more he'll be able to get on the court even even though they have so many perimeter guys I agree that's a good point we're going to take a break we're going to come back we'll do Kemba Walker the new guy and Gordon Hayward coming back after that year of recovery. And then in the last segment, we'll do team over-unders. So stick around. We're going to be right back on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, we've done Jason Tatum, we've done Jalen Brown, the two young guys who are going to get more minutes, over-unders. Now we're going to talk about Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward. Let's start with Kemba. Now Kemba came over and said that he was going to, he, he enjoys the possibility of having to do less. So let's start with field goal attempts for Kemba Walker. Last, last season he took 20.5 shots. Uh, prior to that, it was all in the high teens, mid to high teens. So considering he's going to do less, let's say over under shot attempts for Kemba is 18.5 per game. 
What do you think? Uh, over. Hmm. Over. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I think, I think it's be a little bit more up-tempo, so I, I wouldn't mind. I, I think somewhere around 19 shots per game, uh, even though maybe his usage might drop a little bit, uh, he, I think he'll still – I like the over on that. Yeah, Kyrie was at 18 – Kyrie was at 18 and a half last year. Mm-hmm. So it'll be probably right around there. Yep. Um, he's going to get those touches, and Celtics, I think they'll probably – put even more of a heavy load on Kemba than they did on Kyrie because they don't have Al Horford anymore. So we're going over. We're going over. We're going with the over. Uh, if he does less with that, then maybe he's going to pass more. So let's do the over-under on assists for Kemba Walker. His career average is 5.5. His career high is 6.1. Last year it was at 5.9. So I'll go with his... I'll go with six assists per game, right above, a little bit above last year. Six assists per game over under, Jay. Under. Under, really? Why is that? Because um, he's had five straight seasons of under that. Okay. Fair so, enough. I mean. I'm just going going with history here. Uh-huh. But he's, he's, he's passing, to, passing to more talented dudes now. Better, much better players. Yes. I think by virtue of him passing, just the amount of passes, if he plays the exact same way, that 5.9 goes up to like 6.4 or something like that. Like it's another half assist per game just by guys finishing. Pick and rolls with Enos Cantor. I got to say it right. Enos Cantor. Uh, pick and rolls with Enos Cantor. Uh, he'll, look, the dude can finish. If there's one thing Cantor can do, it's score the ball. Two things he can do is score the ball and rebound. So I think he'll get – he hasn't had a pick and, and roll. And troll. And troll. <laughs> but on the court, he can do those things. And, you know, drive and kick. Drive and kick out to Tatum, Hayward, Brown. I mean, those are some some shooters out there that can really spread the four. Uh, I think I think he'll get – in fact, I think six assists. I'm going to take the over. I, I think he can get up to – I think he can set a career high. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, would, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and the other thing I want to get into is his, his free throw attempts as well, because he like he likes to drive, um, again, pick and roll. He, he'll, he'll get in there. Uh, I wonder if him being on a different team, a better team, might entice the refs to give him a, a couple extra calls. Career average is 4.7, but the last two years he's been at about 5.5. I think he'll go up a little bit, so I'm going to set the over-under at 5.7 free throw attempts per game. So are are you expecting the best season of Kemba's career? I'm expecting him to have a very good season, yes. I I think just by virtue of him being around better teammates, he will maybe his scoring, his average might go down a tick or two. He was at 25.6 last year. Maybe it'll be like 23 or something like that just by getting a, a couple fewer shots. But, I mean, who knows? By He could make up for that by being more efficient and not shooting 43% from the field by shooting a little bit better from the field, shooting a little bit better from three and getting a couple extra free throws. Um, I, I do think he will have not a just – groundbreaking oh my god Kemba first team all NBA type of season but I think he can 
end up being more efficient just by virtue of having better teammates. Certainly possible. I, <laughs> I, I see that within the realm of possibilities. <laughs> Certainly possible. <laughs> that is high quality podcasting there, Jay King. Elite, elite stuff. That's truly, elite truly great analysis. Podcasting. All right, let's go on to this. Is interesting. Uh, Gordon Hayward, because now we know what he used to be. We know what happened to him, and now we're going to see where he settles. So, Gordon Hayward was well. He only averaged twenty points per game once, twenty-one point nine the year before he left uh, in Utah. Um. Now, obviously, last year was 11.5. I don't know if he's going to get up to 21, 20 points per game again. But let's say hmm, over-under points per game for Gordon Hayward is 17. What do you say? Uh, under. Yeah, I feel like it might be a little high. As I said it, but it's just, just got to prove it to me. Yeah, I might go under like, as well, but like I think he can. I think that's a number he can reach. Is there a chance that he returns to all star form and plays his butt off yeah. and gives the Celtics another star? Maybe. Yeah, I think <laughs> but there's a chance. He certainly progressed a lot by the end of last season and played his best basketball before the Buck series toward the end of last season by far. So he clearly got healthier, clearly got more explosive. How much of that leftover progress that he needs to make can he make? That's yeah. If if he does those things like that changes things for the Celtics, but I just don't know just how much of that power he's going to get back. Uh, again, he's I've obviously been very high on Hayward from the beginning. Um, but recognizing that he lost last summer due to that second surgery. Now he's got a healthy summer to work through a lot of the confidence things. Uh, I don't know how much that situation last year really hurt him. People talked about guys being pissed that Hayward was getting those minutes. Um, if that was happening, I don't think that Hayward was immune to that. And I don't think that Hayward particularly liked being in that situation. Like, he knew exactly who he was and what he was struggling to do. Um, and I think that he is a very unselfish type of guy. Like, I don't think that situation was great for him either. So I think this summer is important to him. An underrated aspect to this is that he is going into next season like Al Horford went into last season with an option year for 2020-21 where he makes he's going to make $34 million. And you say on the surface, why would you give up $34 million? But he uh, is uh, – how old is he now? He's going to be – so he's 29. His birth – he's going to turn 30 next season. It's possible that – he could opt out and look for a five-year deal with Boston to take him to 35. And if he has a good season, that could be financial incentive for him as well. So there's an underlying contractual thing there with Gordon Hayward. So let's not 
sell that part short as well. Like if he has a totally shitty season, then he'll just opt in and take as much money as he can. But if he's a good season, then he might be able to do what we were talking about Al Horford doing last year. So there's, there's that at play as well. Um, Let's go to his three-point shooting percentage, which has been historically really good. Like, that's one thing that he can do very, very well. The season before he came to Boston, when his last season in Utah, he shot almost 40%. Last year, he struggled. Let's, I, I thought his shot was going to be better last year than it was. I'm yes, not, you did. I did. I very much did. I, I was wrong. So, um, but let's go. With his three-point shooting percentage, I think it bounces back, but how much does it bounce back? Over under 37% shooting from three for Hayward. Under. Under. You don't think he gets that shot back? Career 36.4. He's had some good years. He's had some bad years. Five, four of the last five full seasons he's played, he's been... Under thirty-seven percent. Right, that's true. So I'm going under. Going under. Well, I, as the Hayward optimist, <laughs> will say over thirty-seven percent. Like thirty-seven. Like I think he's going to shoot like what Tatum shoots. I think he's going to figure that out. Um, but again, I'm I'm I've just I've been high on on Hayward. I think he's. I think it's there. Uh, so all of his scoring numbers, I think, will will definitely increase. Uh, let's go to his free throw attempts, because that's the one thing that he did very well. Now, he's been, you look at his history prior to coming to Boston, the last few years, he was right about 10 free throw. Um, no, wait, sorry, that's uh, two pointers. <laughs> right about uh, six free throws per game. Um, so he still gets to the line a, a fair amount. Can he get back to that over under free throw attempts for Gordon Hayward? Let's say 5.6 per game under, you're just not buying into the whole Hayward resurgence. No, I, I think he'll have a good year. I think there's just say you hate Hayward, chance. right? there's a chance he feels totally healthy and has a great, great year. I just think 5.6 is too close to his career high, which is Mm 6.1 that I just don't think he'll get there with the amount of other playmakers the Celtics have. I'll go, I'll go under as well. I will, but it'll be close. I think he'll get to the line a lot more. I think he can get to the line about five point five times per game, but you never know. Good surprise. If he does, that's just such a lift for the Celtics. Oh, huge. It would be they, huge. They need those easy points. They need to have a guy who can get in there. And I'm giving out the <laughs> the caveat, except for the Buck series again. <laughs> of course. But bef- before that, he was showing a lot more touch on his drives, getting the free throw line a little bit more, was really efficient toward the end of the season. So there is hope that he regained some of his powers last year with an off season to get healthier and more confident again, that he can get a lot of those tools back. And that's, that's certainly within the realm of possibilities. As I said before, certainly possible, but, <laughs> but I just think, I just think five, five might be high. 
Okay. Fair enough. We'll come back. We'll do some team over-unders. Uh, go ahead and check out the Locked On NBA podcast. I'm uh, on the Wednesday Locked On NBA. It was me, Jake Madison. We talked about the Lakers and should they distance, distance themselves from Magic Johnson and uh, the collective bargaining agreement, all of the stuff from Zach Lowe's piece about tampering uh, and get into my whole thing about too much money in the NBA. Uh, it's all on the Locked On NBA podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to that. We're coming right back with more over-unders here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. On to the team over-unders. We'll do offensive rating, defensive rating, and wins. Let's start with the offensive rating. Last year, they were 10th in the NBA. Now, they're going to have a better offense, I think. So, let's say over-under Celtics offense in the NBA... Seventh in the NBA, over under. They'll finish under, <laughs> under, <laughs> under, under. But there's, there. I mean, there's a chance they go over. Um, That's the whole point of over unders. They, uh, yeah, but I'm going under. I'm okay. going. I'm going under. They'll be eighth to tenth, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I do think they'll be improved just because they shouldn't have a month and a half or whatever it was of them just playing the worst basketball of all time. They, they won't have that dragging them down, I don't think. Um, I think Brad Stevens probably learned something about shot selection and will hopefully impart some of that on his players this year, and some of the players will hopefully pick up some of those lessons. Uh, and I, I just think Kemba, Kemba brings a different energy to the Celtics offense than Kyrie does. Obviously, Kyrie was fantastic. Obviously, the Celtics offense was really damn good with Kyrie. I think Kemba's a little better at like actually breaking down a defense, and I think the Celtics need that. And then I think offensive rebounding could be a big, big strength of this team with Ennis Cantor and then Poirier, who was at least a murderer on the offensive glass in in Europe last year, who knows if that will be the case in the NBA, but Tice is active too. And we'll see. Uh, there will be a lot on the plate of guys like Tatum and Hayward and Walker and smart and Brown. But I think it might be good to kind of have more of a hierarchy this year. So there's, there's, there are things that could go very right with the Celtics offense. I'll say that there, there's a chance that they could be, pretty damn good although they they will definitely miss al horford al horford's guiding presence and i also think terry rozier could be an addition by subtraction um just the way he played last year he broke off a lot of possessions and if you look at their net rating when he was on the court it was just atrocious so i don't know how how they'll fill his minutes whether it'll be carson edwards or romeo langford or um brad wanamaker getting those minutes or what they'll do but there's a chance, I think, that the way he played last year, his departure actually helps. So why I think the Celtics offense will be better than last year is there's actually there are actually fewer scoring options. Uh, and I think that actually kind of helps a little bit. 
guys who know at least more their roles. Like, okay, so if Carson Edwards comes in, you know he's there to shoot. And that's all he's there to do. And, and defend, obviously. But, like, he's not going to try to take over situations. If Grant Williams comes in, then he knows exactly what he's there for. Set picks, rebound, make the pass, make the right play. Uh, I think I'm totally on board with Terry Rozier. I think that that was a, a big issue last year. So I think by virtue of the a little bit more team chemistry, uh, a, a little bit more structure, a little bit more hierarchy, like all of that stuff. I seventh is probably where they're going to, I, I would expect them to end up. I'll, I'll say sixth just because I'll go, I'll just go over and say that they will be the sixth best offense. Um, I don't know. I, I, part of it is going to be, you look at the, the structure of the league. I think out West, there's going to be, you know, when you look at the the numbers that go into offensive rating, there'll be some depressed numbers out west. That kind of and the, the east is so bad that the Celtics numbers will be kind of pumped up a little bit. So I think I think sixth is a is a reasonable best case scenario. I'll, I'll say I'll say over on that defense. Now defense is going to be interesting because they've lost their best defensive player, and now Horford. And their next best defensive player in Aaron Baines, or you can flip those two around if you want. Marcus Smart, if you listen to this podcast, may tear you limb from limb. <laughs> okay, fine. So there's that. Uh, but they're still going to take a hit defensively. Uh, it's not like Kyrie was a, a defensive monster out there, but Kemba is is not particularly great either. But he tries. Um, okay, so anyway. They were seventh last year. I don't think they're going to be seventh. Uh, no, they're not. They they will take a hit. How far down will they slide? I will say there's going to be a lot of bad defensive teams out there, too. Over, under, 11th. Under. Under. You'd be worse than the 11th in the, in the league. If, if they have an above-average defense... Brad Stevens has done a fantastic job. Okay. Because, first of all, it's very tough to build a top defense around Ennis Cantor, <laughs> who is probably the front runner to start at center. Daniel Tice, I think he's a solid defender for the most part, but he has some real holes when it comes to guarding big, physical, big guys. The uh, power forwards are going to be really small. They'll probably play Gordon Hayward at power forward sometimes. They'll probably play rookies, maybe in Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale, who's unproven, although he's a pretty good defender, obviously. But I, I just think they're going to be really small, and their centers aren't going to be good enough to to kind of help them get, overcome that. I just think there's a lot that could go wrong with their defense, but they still have a lot of the switchability. Um that kind of helped them out is at least in their first unit with Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Smart, whoever starts out of that group. So they're going to need to lean on that versatility quite a bit because they don't have Al Horford anymore, and that's mm. a huge, huge loss. And they don't have Aaron Baines anymore, and that's a huge, huge loss. And if you look at the numbers last year, like they really slipped later in the season until they started Baines and Horford together, and both those guys are gone. Right. So – it's it could be a, a steep drop unless 
Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens, he's built good defense before with not great defensive big men. And I think Jared Sollinger was probably better than people gave him credit for, but like the Jared Sollinger, Tyler Zeller years, mm-hmm. like there are, there wasn't like a, an elite center Brad Stevens had in those years. And those defenses were still for the most part, pretty good. So we'll see, we'll see how he goes from here, but this is definitely the worst crop of defensive centers he's had in years. So I agree with all of that. Uh, um, maybe I did set a little high, uh, but I'm also accounting for the East. You got to play the Knicks, the Bulls, the Cavs, the Bulls, eh, whatever. Um, the Hawks will be tough to stop. They're going to be a good offensive team. The Wizards will be bad. Charlotte, uh, there, there are teams that they can kind of fatten up that defensive rating against. I, I guess. The and, and again out west, I think a lot of these teams are just going to beat up on each other, so they're not going to be able to score much. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that pumps up their defensive ratings. May, okay, so maybe it's a little low, uh, a little high. So I'll, I guess I'll take the under. Um, we'll have to see. I think you're right. It's, it's going to be up to Brad Stevens to figure out a, a, a good combination here and, and try to squeeze something out of Ennis Cantor. Okay. Let's say we, we talked a little bit with Sam Packard about wins. Vegas set the over-under wins on 48.5. So we'll just use that, Jay. 48.5 over-under wins, Boston Celtics. Under. What Under. Think, what do you think it's going to be? Right around 47, 48. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be right right around the over-under. If they go over it, I, I won't be shocked. Yeah. I think – Basically everything that could have gone wrong last year did, and now they don't have as much talent. But I I do think there's hope that one internal development will happen with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and a healthier Gordon Hayward. Two, the feel will be different, which I think everyone needed. And three, did they just? Things won't be disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be a disaster. <laughs> Basketball could be fun again. That's, that's... but I, I still think I still think like forty-seven, forty-eight. Yeah, I'll say forty-nine and take the over. Just, I mean, that's what again, that's what over/unders are. Forty-eight and a half. I'll, I'll say I'm going to say forty-nine. I think forty-nine again. Pumped up East bad. The they'll. They'll be able to beat a lot of these teams and and get some cheap wins. Um, so I'll say forty nine. Which yeah, which and there, there are things that could go really right for them. There are like totally. if if one of their young guys takes a leap, or if Hayward's just a stud again, or I mean, there's I mean the best absolute best case scenario for them is really really good. I think the Celtics have a a really wide swath between their their floor in their ceiling like things can go really poorly like hayward could not come back and be anything close to what he used to be the chemistry could not work the you know tatum and brown could could just not take leaps the the rookies could not be as ready as it it seemed in summer league things can go really really wrong things could also go really really right hayward can become an all-star again 
Tatum and Brown could be could take big jumps. Kemba could fit perfectly. Carson Edwards and Grant Williams could be big time players. Romeo Langford could fix his shot. Like all of those things are theoretically possible. And if all of that happens at the same time, this team can be really, really, really good. It, it, none of those you don't usually get either extreme. So 49 wins is something that kind of fits right in the middle. But again, if things go right, there's a potential. It's theoretical and very unlikely, but there is a possibility. There is a a universe in which the Celtics, everything goes right and they win 50-something games. This is true. It's very possible. (laughs) Certainly feasible. Certainly within the realm. <laughs> okay. Well, we hope you've all enjoyed this completely fabricated podcast here at the end of July. We're going to keep trying as things materialize or don't materialize to give you things to listen to on your way to work. Cause Lord knows sports talk radio isn't going to do it for you. So we're here for you as often as we possibly can during this dead period. So go ahead and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We exist on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Spotify, everywhere podcasts exist, we exist. So go ahead and give us that subscription. And if you are a regular listener, please reward our heroic efforts by, by giving us a five-star rating and a good written review and sharing the podcast when people ask what they should be listening to. Tell them the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and Jay King. Locked On Celtics. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.